0: Welcome to episode 412 of the official EstablishTheRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan, joined by the King of the Virgins, Mike Leone. And today we have a very, very special guest. This a young man who claims he's the late round quarterback king, even though in the year of our Lord 2000, I drafted Dante Culpepper in round 12 and went on to win ESPN's overall fantasy football title Shout out to me. But anyways, we'll get into that. This is a young man who does solo pods as well, but without the sex jokes. I think he's one of the sharpest people around to think about season-long fantasy strategy and players. It is the quarterback lord himself, JJ Zacharyson of
1: Lateround.com. JJ, how's it going, buddy? It's good, man. I've been been thinking about increasing the number of sex jokes on the podcast to increase those downloads a little bit. I haven't gotten there yet, though. I haven't gotten there yet. Yes,
0: I can help you. Do you remember Dante Culpepper in the year 2000?
1: I remember yeah heck yeah I remember Dante Cole man yeah he was, but I but I I can tell you that I wrote my ebook 12 years after that so yeah. if you want to if you want to be king if you want to be the king of late round quarterback I will I will give you that that ability
0: Um I do want to say one thing and a few years ago JJ made a tweet he was like yeah there's a lot of people out there who like to take late round quarterback but no one brands it and I was thinking about that because when I was growing up actually not even growing up when I was in college and, and even now I would take sweatpants and cut off the bottoms and wear sweatshorts and everybody made fun of me you look ridiculous what are you thinking and now if you go into any store all these fancy stores you know they all are selling sweatshorts they all ripped off my idea but it was just a branding thing you know and JJ's done a great job branding the late round yeah, man,
1: th- th- it's just an idea until you actually execute you got to execute on that stuff put a patent exactly. out there on those on the sweatshorts man
0: exactly uh Leone good afternoon how's it going
2: I was just thinking how it, it must be hard to have sex jokes on the podcast if you don't have sex. So that's, <laughs> but it's pretty cool, oh, well man. Yeah.
0: Belated congrats to Leonie on his Excel win, uh, Excel contest. And by the way, there's an inordinate amount of people who think that the video that we did was real. <laughs> like Leonie actually went to the ESPN Excel thing and won. It's like really scary, but we'll let him keep thinking that. Anyways, on today's show, we're going to talk all things quarterback, two quarterback and super flex formats and the quarterback position as a whole. I really do think that for more serious people, two quarterback leagues makes sense. Like the quarterback position has been so devalued in one quarterback leagues and people say it's kind of silly. And I kind of agree with them, even though it's the right strategy, I think, although maybe that's changing now. And we'll get into that a little bit at the end here with one quarterback leagues as well. Also, as you know, it is officially fantasy draft season. You're going to see a ton of people out there pushing their rankings. Everybody's got them. I've seen some truly laughable stuff out there. No one takes rankings for drafts as serious as us. We have a team of full-blown virgins handpicked by Silva and I. We're following every bit of news and updating target share, carry projections, literally down to the decimal point. All that flows flows through to our rankings and makes it so you can be sure when your draft comes, you have the most up-to-date and correct info. Also, Note this podcast is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. They have this absurd $2 million to first, $1 million to second fantasy tournament running right now. If you use promo code ETR, when you sign up, they will match your first deposit up to $100. It's really a ridiculous contest, $25 buy-in. Drafting right now really is great practice for your home league. All right, let's start here. I I know some people are listening. are like, ah, I I don't want to play two quarterback. I've never played two quarterback. Why play two quarterback? I guess I can start with, JJ. And do you think it's the same... Strategy as super flex. And for those guys who don't know, super flex just means you're not required to start two quarterbacks, but you can play quarterback in your flex.
1: Yeah, look, I mean, I think people have wanted quarterback to matter more in fantasy football for years. And, you know, you can do it whatever you want with like scoring settings and stuff. And yeah, it'll shift some things. It'll make this guy a little bit more valuable, et cetera. But it's going to be really hard to make a quarterback be like a true first round pick or first overall pick. Um, without you know, it's going to be difficult to do that without actually expanding the number of positions that you need to to utilize in your starting lineup at the quarter at, with quarterback. So uh, you know, I, I think that if you go to two QB or superflex, what you're doing is you're making the quarterback position more important, and what that does, it just allows you to have and an attack your lineup in a lot of different ways. Um, you know, I think that's important because it gets pretty monotonous. I mean, when, when you're when you're con- consistently just going running back and wide receiver, and there's really only two positions that we worry about. For the most part in early rounds, but with two quarterback and super flex um, that changes and you're now throwing another another uh, position in there, um, you know, regarding the the difference between two quarterback and super flex. I, I think there is a slight difference, but only in more of like a best ball environment, I would say, um, you know, if you look historically at how QB 12 just a random position with quarterback, but QB 12, you know, the worst hypothetical hypothetical starter in a 12 team league they performed over the last three years in weekly scoring they've averaged 18.9 points uh, but in PPR formats the wide receiver 15 has averaged around that and so essentially you know when you're not having to like choose going into a given week and manage that lineup and you can just kind of get a ton of wide receivers let's say and a ton of good wide receivers you could hypothetically replace that position whereas you would never do that going into a, a given week because quarterbacks just a lot more predictable entering that week so in a managed league you know when it's not best ball. Uh, two quarterback and super flex are generally the same, you know, in most scoring formats. But I do think that the caveat of best ball is important because you can get away with, you know, having sort of like an anchor quarterback and then having like two sort of like lower end or mid range QB twos, as long as those like wide receivers are pretty healthy.
0: Yeah. I think that's well said. Leonie, if you look at our two quarterback rankings, I don't think we're giving anything away here by saying we have quarterbacks massively in the first and second round when you're working on, this in the back end, how do you think about two quarterback leagues and how they get bubbled up so far in the rankings?
2: Yeah, I mean, they just comprise a really high percentage of your scoring in these leagues, especially if you're playing in a league that doesn't, you know, throw in extra flex spots in addition to making it a two quarterback league. It's really important to have two guys that you're starting week in and week out to JJ's point if it's a managed league, because the security of those points is huge. Um, If you're even playing super flex. I mean, that's, you know, either a second quarterback that's going to get you a floor of like 14 plus points, or you might be rolling the dice with a wide receiver running back whose floor is like, you know, six to eight points or or maybe even lower. So it's a huge difference. It also matters the scoring system. You know, if you're in a standard scoring league, which we've surprisingly gotten a lot of questions about super flex standard scoring, then the quarterbacks are even that much more important because they're comprising such a high percentage of the scoring whereas if you're in a full ppr league there are a little bit more outs to you know not being a strong at quarterback you can really dominate people at the wide receiver positions because you know, the ppr points are going to add up over time so knowing if you're like full ppr half ppr standard is going to flow back through the quarterback value even though it doesn't actually change the quarterback's scoring expectation at all
0: uh People are going to have a heart attack, Leone, because they don't even want us, a lot of the, uh, not the people listening to this, but a lot of people out there don't even want us to take Christian McCaffrey number one in normal leagues. We still have Christian McCaffrey number one in two quarterback. This is going to give people a heart attack, <laughs> Leone. I, I, before everybody freaks out, can you give the people a little bit of the math beyond CMC number one, even in two quarterback leagues?
2: Yeah, basically CMC went healthy. His ceiling over every other running back is so insane. Like the gap is, is so massive. And the way our math kind of works up is works is it's looking at the points versus a certain threshold at the position. And McCaffrey is just blowing that out of the water. Now, personally, if I was drafting in a snake draft, this is where, this might be a weird take, but I think if I was drafting in a snake draft, I'd probably take Allen first overall, just not knowing what the room is going to do at quarterback between Mm -hmm. my first pick and then the 23rd and 24th overall picks or the 24th and 25th overall picks. But if I was in an auction setting, I'd pay more for Christian McCaffrey than Josh Allen because I have more control over the room. I can still make sure that I don't get left out in the cold at quarterback. So I think it's a scenario where McCaffrey in a vacuum is definitely worth more than Josh Allen because of what he provides relative to base. But if you take into the dynamic factors of a snake draft, I I would probably actually take Allen first overall. Yeah,
0: it's interesting for sure, because I think a lot of this depends on what everybody else you're drafting us thinks about quarterbacks. In other words, if you know that every single other person is going to take quarterbacks, and I've seen this in two quarterback leagues where like, nobody will take a running back or wide receiver. It's just quarterback, 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 quarterback. If you pass on one in round one, you might be left with dust at quarterback. So I'm curious, JJ, how you think about that? It seems to me like it's more important to understand what your opponents are going to do in this than maybe any other format. It may be harder to predict what your opponents will do in standard formats.
1: Yeah, I tell people all the time, you got to be reactive to what's going on more in this format than any other format. You know, I I think like the easy answer for fantasy analysts is like, oh, yeah, just zig when everyone's zagging, just go the opposite direction. But you can't really do that with superflex because the quarterback position dries up like like literally you can run out of starting quarterbacks and you won't have. Uh, that player there so you definitely have to have to sort of you know I think tiers are really really important just in general but I think they're even more important when you're drafting sort of in this format because you kind of know where these drop-offs at quarterback would occur and it's happening so quickly and so rapidly in these early high leverage rounds um, so yeah I mean you you kind of have to play into what your draft is doing and you, you might feel like you're getting a, a devaluation on a player by reaching a little bit or whatever but at the end of the draft you're going to feel a lot better because it's a lot easier to feel comfortable throwing darts at some running backs that you know might hit later or a wide receiver mm-hmm. who might hit later you're just not going to find that at quarterback, so you have to spend up
0: yeah there's just not positional ambiguity and we talk about that all the time at running back and wide receiver hey you know we want to bet on ambiguous situations you can get some really good players late because people are overrating week one roles I, my concern with taking christian mccaffrey first into quarterback is it could get back to me and like JJ said I mean I could be left with total total dust if all the quarterbacks go so so that's hard and something I think to be aware of for sure the way it goes the other way is what if people underrate what if people don't understand how valuable quarterback is into QB like are we taking three quarterbacks or are we just loading up on quarterbacks what do you think about that JJ if the rest of the room is underrating the quarterback position
1: I still think that you can, you know, it depends on where you're being, where you're drafting and such. And it just depends on like how the draft is unfolding, of course. But at the same time, I I think that you can still feel fine with the stability that you're going to get a quarterback. Like regardless, at some point, it's usually like in that fourth, fifth round when like typically we would see like some of those like mid to late round or mid to to, uh, bottom QB twos start going off the draft board. But at the very least, like around that time in the draft, you're going to start seeing teams panic a little bit and get their quarterbacks. And that's the one thing that we have to think about with, with Superflex and two quarterback leagues versus single quarterback leagues. Part of the reason that single quarterback leagues you can wait at the quarterback position is because obviously the demand is different, right? You only need one versus you need two in a Superflex league. But what that does is it stretches the ADP because uh, you don't need them as much. The teams can wait and wait and wait, mm-hmm. and so you're getting this this you know this twelfth ranked quarterback in like round ten or eleven. Whereas that twelfth ranked quarterback in a in a super flex league is going to go in round two or three typically. Mm-hmm. And even if that that changes slightly, like even if you know to your point, like teams aren't drafting quarterbacks that heavily, and it goes to the fourth round, the opportunity cost equation is still dramatically different than what you would see in a single quarterback league. So, you know, I still think that it's smart, especially in this environment. And we can get into this in a second too, but in this current environment and like what we see from the quarterback position these days versus what we saw five years ago, six years ago, I just think it's imperative to, to get quarterbacks uh, early and often. I wouldn't necessarily get two or sorry, get three. If you, you know, have two studs, um, you know, that early, but um, it's definitely, you know, a position where you're not going to regret getting and pairing up Russell Wilson with Jalen Hurts or something like that. There's, there's not gonna be any regrets afterwards. Whereas you can really screw yourself if you're, if you're waiting and waiting and you just don't get a good QB too.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's just so much more predictable, the quarterback position. And that's why it's led to a lot of value in streaming and stuff like that, that all of us have been talking about for a long time. I think, and we're going to talk a, a lot about one QB leagues in an upcoming podcast and the like, our preferred strategy for that. I think one of the most, I don't want to say controversial, but Uh, landscape-changing takes that Leone's had that, you know, I kind of wanted to puke at at first, but I've come around on a little bit, is that the quarterback position has changed as a whole. And and JJ referenced this, whereas I could get Dante Culpepper in round 12 in the year 2000. Even five or six years ago, I could get guys who could compete. I could stream because there weren't these rushing passing combos or not as many of them. Now, I believe Leone's point, and he can explain it, is that now, these days... It's more predictable and the ceiling is higher when you have guys like Josh Allen and Kyler and Lamar and Mahomes who give you rushing and throwing at this really outrageous rate. So I think Leone's take now is that late round quarterback is no longer right, which it almost makes me want to puke to say because I've been like forever the last one to take quarterback in my league, but I'm starting to come around on the predictability and the separation on this. So. I want to get JJ's take too here as kind of the, uh, godfather, but Leone, go ahead on the QB landscape.
2: Yeah. I mean, you hit the two points. Exactly. It's a combination of one, the quarterback position being more predictable than it's been in the past. If you look at ADP and compare it to like, you know, top six QB scoring weeks, um, the top, you know, 12 quarterbacks that are drafted by ADP represent a much larger share of those weeks than they have previously, you know, the last two seasons has definitely changed. So not only is it more predictable, but the gap is growing and it's because we're seeing quarterbacks that are in high scoring offenses that throw a ton, regardless of game script, like Tom Brady, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. We're seeing guys that, you know, not only run, but they run and throw, you know, Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott too, a little bit, um, you know, Lamar Jackson's more rushing, but I mean, he's threw a ton of touchdowns the year that he kind of broke fantasy and was available in like the double digit rounds and isn't going to happen anymore. Jalen hurts too. So those archetypes of quarterback are more predictable, higher ceiling in the past when we had maybe Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson go in round two or three, and it was egregious. It was on the tail end of a year where maybe game script was super in their favor, or they ran really hot with efficiency, but it was stuff that was fluky and could change. And now that's not what's driving the quarterback performance. So, it depends what league you're in. If you're in best ball, I think it's a really huge deal to kind of get an earlier quarterback because the quarterback scarcity is somewhat in between a single quarterback league and a two quarterback league. If you're in a managed one quarterback league, there is still some ability to sit and wait just because your opponents will. And there's, there's, but there's still a cutoff to me after like the top, I'd say there's like 11 quarterbacks. You know, we have 11 quarterbacks. I think the quarterbacks just before Matthew Stafford, Derek Carr, you know, Kirk Cousins types, Rogers types that are pure pocket passers. I want one of those top 11 quarterbacks. I think you're really losing on ceiling. There are some late round quarterbacks that I do like that give you some semblance of ceiling, um, which I'll, I'll hold off for now. Cause I'm yeah. sure we'll, we'll hit on those, but I really want a top 11 QB.
0: Yeah. Well, JJ, you named your site late round QB. You have your brand late round QB. Leonie is now telling you that late round QB is no longer right. Are you going to change the name of your company and your Twitter handle. Do you agree with Leone?
1: You know, I, I did an analysis of like sort of the shifting of ADP and how uh, the masses have sort of changed their approach with the quarterback position a a couple of years ago. Um, And I, I wrote about how, like, I might have to change the moniker to middle round QB because uh, of the way that, you know, the, the, the people have been, have been viewing the quarterback position finally properly. Right. A lot of this has to do with the fact that, uh, when you look at ADP, people are finally putting these dual threat quarterbacks at the top of their rankings list, whereas historically, we would see these like pocket passers that had these unsustainable touchdown rate seasons just get pushed up to the front of their their ranking sheets the next, the next season when we know that there's a lot of volatility there. Um, you know, I did a, a draft guide, late round draft guide, where I really did a lot of strategy stuff. It's much more focused on like game theory and stuff like that. Um, and within that, I, I did analysis where I looked at top 18 quarterbacks by ADP and I compared that to how many points per game those players scored. So I just found the correlation between those two things. Back in 2015 and 2016, there was like literally zero correlation. Like 2015, there was no correlation between points per game and top 18 quarterbacks by ADP. So you could have picked the QB 17. He was just as valuable as the QB 2, hypothetically, Mm -hmm. that year, right? Uh, And that happened in 2018 as well. And typically, you know, throughout like from like 2011 to to the 2020 range or so, or sorry, the 2019 range, uh, the R squared value was like 0.1 to 0.15, like it's really, really low, right? The last two years though, that R squared value of top 18 quarterbacks to points per game has been 0.55, 55%. It's just dramatically, dramatically uh, more predictable. And so what that does is, you know, what we're seeing is that these quarterbacks aren't necessarily scoring that much more than their baseline position. If you consider baseline being like, you know, maybe a streamer, maybe just QB 12. um, These quarterbacks aren't scoring that substantially more versus, their position what's happening is there's a huge drop off after that QB12 that's that's the first thing right uh, which is what Leone was alluding to with like QB eleven feeling comfortable around there, and then that drop off happening because then we see all these pocket passers start going. Uh, but on top of that, uh, what what people are really seeing, what we're seeing in the in the market, and why these quarterbacks are going earlier is because of this predictability aspect, right? Like we know that Josh Allen is going to be good in fantasy football this year. We know that Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes and and uh, Jalen Hurts are going to be good in fantasy football this year. And the the example that I use to show how there's so much more volatility with passing than there is with rushing. If I were to sit here and ask you guys, who's going to throw more passing touchdowns this year, Tom Brady or Jalen Hurts? I think we would probably say Tom Brady. Like we'd feel pretty confident in that, but I don't think it would be a hundred percent for sure. Tom Brady, right? Like Jalen, like what if they pass more? You know, he's got AJ Brown. Now the weapons are there, et cetera. So like, it wouldn't be shocking if we saw like a Jalen Hurts, season like Lamar Jackson had during his MVP year where he threw like the 35 touchdowns or whatever and maybe Tom Brady doesn't have that huge of a, of a passing touchdown season. Well then what if I ask the question I say, who's going to have better better rushing numbers, Jalen Hurts or Tom Brady? And we're all going to say Jalen Hurts cuz Tom Brady's a dad runner. Like we know that he's not going to do anything on the ground. And so that just tells you like that alone is a great example to show you how sticky these rushing numbers are year over year compared to passing numbers and now people are finally paying up for that so it's a lot harder to get that later in your draft I do think though sort of wrap this all up you know there is a lot more correlation yes the last two years in terms of ADP and postseason result I do think that the supply of good quarterbacks is going to get large enough eventually you know it might not happen this year but I think it's going to be big enough eventually to the point where we can revert back to a more classic late round quarterback approach, because, you know, what if Trevor Lawrence really hits this year and he's able to be mobile or what if Justin Fields really hits this year. And then we get this influx of quarterbacks next year coming in from college. Then all of a sudden we could have like 18 realistic potential QB ones in fantasy football every year. And that'll shift things. But I do think right now here in 2022, it makes a lot of sense to get that like QB nine to QB 12 range Because not only that, the last couple of years, the QB9 and QB12 range has been great, too. I mean, like Mm -hmm. we've had Josh Allen came from there. Jalen Hurts came from there. We're still seeing like good players from there, which is why I think everyone and a lot of analysts are saying Trey Lance is like the quintessential late round quarterback this year. Right. Like he's like the the go to from that perspective more in like your home leagues at this point because his ADP is rising. But that's all, you know, it really comes down to this predictability aspect uh, more than anything else. That's why these quarterback prices are rising.
0: Yeah, for sure. And obviously, we'll talk a ton more about Trey Lance when we do the quarterback episode next week. Obviously, I'm in on Trey Lance, just for the archetype of the stuff that we're talking about here. We've talked long enough here without actually talking about some players. If anybody is still listening because we have not talked about any micro, any players yet, I want to talk about some candidates for two QB leagues that we like and we don't like. Because honestly, like, we haven't talked a lot about quarterbacks who go after QB 12, QB 13, QB 14, because frankly, like, They just don't come into play that much in one quarterback leagues. We have talked a lot about Daniel Jones. You know, we have my take. We have Leone's take on Daniel Jones. JJ, I think we need your take on Daniel Jones because I know everybody has the highlight of him freaking falling down on the (laughs) yard run in their head. However, I think this dude has sneaky rushing ability. Obviously, we have the Brian Dable thing. So where are you at? on daniel jones jj
1: yeah look i i love jones you know when i did projections this year i was like wait daniel jones is like qb 18 right now this can't be right like it just, just doesn't make. but then you know you dig into it and last year daniel jones had three fewer rushing yards per game than kyler murray did he averaged just as many uh points per game as Derek carr did last year while throwing less than a touchdown per game in that offense uh it's all because of his rushing and that rushing upside and i think you pair that and sort of that like throw your body around style that Dable sort of encouraged with Josh Allen and Buffalo. And I'm not saying that Daniel Jones is Josh Allen by any means, but you know, just that style, that philosophy, that philosophy and that idea uh, that could just generate more rushing pr- production from Daniel Jones as well. I really like the weapons in the, in, in, New York with Wando playing the slot Kadarius Tony obviously has really good marks as a rookie. Hopefully he can stay healthy. Kenny Galladay, you know, not a big separator, but I think he's fine enough on the, on the perimeter there for them. And they improve their offensive line. They get Saquon back. You know, the only thing with that stopping Daniel Jones, and this would be the only hesitation I would have in a super flex format or a two quarterback format is, you know, if they really want to move on and not use him towards the end of the year, because he's just not living up to expectation, you know, from my perspective and, you know, if I were in the front office or if I was building that team, I would just want to see what I could get out of him. And if he doesn't perform well, then, okay, we just have a higher draft pick. That's fine. There's really no reason to throw to Taylor out there when we kind of know what we've got from him um so i i do think that like rationally it makes sense for them to use daniel jones all season long but you do run that risk a little bit more but yeah i mean to me he's like a firm qb two, uh yeah. but he's being drafted as a low-end one i,
0: I have Daniel jones on like every team and and my only <laughs> concern is like the five percent chance that he just flat out sucks so <laughs> yeah. bad like yeah. he's so bad that they like can't continue to play yeah like like they like would lose the locker room if they keep him up. but i You know, I think that's a really low probability. So Daniel Jones would be probably my favorite target in two quarterback leagues. We do have some rushing upside, maybe in other spots, Leone, I mean, Justin Fields, obviously, is a rusher. I think Chicago could be the worst, if not one of the worst teams in the league this year, which is a problem. We have Marcus Mariota, who I think comes into play in two quarterback also, if we think he can hold the job. What are some other two quarterback league targets you like and what are your takes on Fields and Mariota, Leone?
2: Yeah, I like, you know, the archetype of Fields where it's possible he could have, you know, a top eight quarterback season because of the rushing. I do think when you look at the range of outcomes to me, he's kind of, I don't know, overdrafted a little bit, at least relative to some other guys that I like Daniel Jones being one of them. Also Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, if I'm betting on quarterbacks with upside, it's kind of these rookies that failed last year, but are in, you know, better or good situations in terms of Lawrence, you know, the coaching switch, there's just no way that's not a positive for him. It was such a disaster with Urban Meyer, he's got some sneaky rushing upside too. And then with Zach Wilson, that offense—if kind of similar to, to Daniel Jones, it's like if Zach Wilson just doesn't suck, that offense has so many weapons. We've got yeah. Elijah Moore. You know, they draft Garrett Wilson. They've got Brees Hall at running back. Corey Davis is a solid, you know, third wide, second third wide receiver in that mix. So they have a lot of weapons. And you know, these guys are—you know—he's athletic enough to use his legs a little bit. I know Silva was ripping me for hoping Zach Wilson runs more, but he can run a little bit. So I like those guys. When you start getting past them into like the Mac Jones, Matt Ryan tier, I kind of feel like at that point, especially if you're in a QB hungry two quarterback league, if those guys get boosted up to like fifth, sixth round, I think at that point, I'd much rather start developing and building my skill players and wait and just piecemeal quarterback two together. And that's where Marcus Mariota comes in and some of these guys are going to be really cheap because they're playing time security over the course of the season's low. But if you can make it work or just piecemeal, you know, draft Mariota and Desmond Ritter really late, you know, draft Mm -hmm. Jacoby Brissett really late. And I'd I'd almost rather piecemeal that than pay too expensive of a price tag on the pure pocket passer that has like no upside just because they're not in pass happy offenses. Um, I like Jared Goff a little bit, but again, like, I'm I'm not reaching on QB 2021 20, when I can wait and just kind of see what falls, even if it is a pure pocket pass or like maybe Baker Mayfield falls a ton.
0: Yeah, I kind of like the idea of Mariota and Ritter together. You get 17 starts out of them, uh, and you get some rushing equity from both of them. Um, I think that's at least interesting. Um, what about pocket guys, JJ? We know we hate the pocket guys. They need to be so so efficient to match up with the rushers, but there are guys like. Uh, Kirk Cousins, um, Matt Ryan, um Davis Mills, I know I like more than Leone. What do you think about some of these pocket guys in two quarterback leagues?
1: Yeah, another, by the way, another mobile guy who I think is flying under, I'm, I'm probably gonna get chastised for this, but Trubisky. I, I No, I I I think Ryan Tannehill is kind of interesting uh, okay. where where he where he goes. Cause he's like QB 23, QB24. If you look at how he scored points per game over the last three years, he's been QB 15, 10, and nine. Uh, and, and really last season his touchdown rate dropped dramatically, which is a huge reason why he didn't do super, super well, but he was still QB 15 in points per game. And then I think a lot of the reason why he's going where he's going is because there's just so much. I mean, obviously the, the offense is ancient, but uh, the, the wide outs that they have there, just there's a lot of question marks, right? Like Robert Woods coming off the ACL, Traylon Burks is like up and down this roller coaster of is, is he good or not? Um, and so I, I do think that if that clicks, like if that comes together, Ryan Tannehill, Tannehill could actually be, Kind of decent. I mean, he's kind of got that like Josh Allen. You think his rushing uh touchdown production is going to regress, and that he just he scores like seven t- rushing touchdowns in the season all of a sudden, you're like, Holy crap, where did that come from? So uh I think Tannehill's kind of interesting. If I'm looking at like pure pocket passer, um, you know, I, I want to pair that with a player or with with uh with with good weapons, right? And a good system. Um, I think cousins is fine, but he's sort of in that tier with like a, you know, Derek Carr, who I think is just like, sort of has the same range of outcomes as Cousins does. Um, and I think we can be bullish about Cousins' new system and stuff like that. But if I want to go a little bit cheaper, I'd probably look to Jameis, you know, last year uh, before he got hurt, he had kind of a unsustainable touchdown rate, but that could also just be, you know, we, we see that fluctuate year over year, but um, you know, some players are just able to sustain that in certain systems. Uh, you know, we saw that with like Russ, for instance, in Seattle for a long time. Uh, and really, you know, you're looking at an offense that has, if they're healthy, like really good weapons. I mean, you have Michael Thomas coming back, apparently looking great. Um, you have uh, Chris Olave, who can really stretch the field. Well, probably the best route runner out of this rookie class Jarvis Landry's at least a solid option for them. Um, and then you have, you know, one of the better, one of the best pass catching backs coming out of the backfield. So I think Jameis is actually kind of interesting and we know that he can score in big chunks too, because he's got that arm. He likes to throw the ball down the field. So I think if I'm looking at that tier of like Matt Ryan and like, you know, those kinds of guys, I would probably just lean to Jameis because I think he's the most upside out of them.
0: Mm, yes. I've not been on Jameis. At all because I'm afraid that they're gonna like do some funky things with him. And I'm gonna be sitting there watching Taysom Hill yeah. yeah. around the goal line and I'm gonna tilt my face off. But I do think that Jameis Webb from a weaponry perspective is at least uh, right. interesting. Anybody? Yeah. You? Go ahead, Leonie.
2: I'll just say if you have extra bench spots too, I think it's worth stashing You know, some of these quarterbacks that don't have jobs, which you would never do in a one quarterback league. Again, it depends on the depth of your bench a little bit, because a lot of times you want, you know, running back lottery tickets on your bench. But if you are completely piecemealing quarterback two together, you know, having Huntley or Malik Willis, these guys on your bench, where if somehow they got the job, which is unlikely, but if injury occurs in front of them or something, they're going to be really legitimate fantasy contributors. You know, I'm not going to stash someone with limited upside because it's not worth the bench spot, but you could really hit a home run and bypass the waiver wire. If you know Lamar Jackson gets hurt and you have Huntley, like we saw what Huntley did last year. And Malik Willis, we know when he plays, he's just gonna run so much that it's gonna be impossible for him to not deliver fantasy value. Uh,
0: one guy I want to ask about JJ is Tua, because you know, Tua can move a little bit and they have Waddle and Tyreek Hill. And I know Jasicki's role probably isn't gonna be as good as we had hoped that they have Jasicki also, they signed Cedric Wilson. Like, I could see if Tua is good and capable him doing something where do you think about Tua and where he's going now
1: yeah the other thing too like if you look at historical ADP data and you look at like quarterbacks that have been in situations where their pass catchers are being drafted so high those quarterbacks generally like exceed expectation at a pretty decent rate so that's another like plus for Tua I, I'm I, I'm fine with Tua like I, I I think he's sort of like at the bottom of that that like pocket passer tier um and maybe in his in in a tier past the the Derek cars and the Kirk Cousins and stuff because the safety isn't necessarily as there as much but uh I you know if you look at his passing numbers deep ball numbers which is what everyone's concerned about right uh it's not really the accuracy that's a problem it's just the frequency that's the problem like his his accuracy has been fine on 15 plus and 20 plus yard uh air yard throws it's just that he doesn't do it a lot and that's that's a problem right I mean the, and and I don't know if you look at their personnel and you say that they are absolutely going to throw the ball deep because both Jalen Waddle and Tyree killer are really great after the catch too. Yes, they create right. great separation, and that's why you know that's that's great for Tua. Like they, you know, Devonte Parker, a guy like that, didn't work well with Tua because he he throws Tua only throws the open guy. You know, like that's that's his, his his mode. That's how he plays. He's not like Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, and so you know these guys separate, and that's great, and they should be able to get the get uh, down the field. these deep ball passes I just don't know if it's going to come that frequently and then on top of that you know Mike McDaniel coming from that Shanahan system uh you know Jimmy Garoppolo rarely threw the ball down the field at a really really low rate and so what if that translates to to this system and they really just got Tyreek and they have Jalen Waddle just create a lot of yards after the catch which is exactly what we saw in that San Francisco system. So I think there's just a lot of volatility with Tua, which is why I do think he probably deserves to be in the tier below those other pocket passers that have just, you know, similar enough upside. But if you're strictly looking at upside and not really concerned about that floor, uh, then I do think that Tua could could have just as similar of a ceiling as like a Derek Carr or Kirk cousins. Uh,
0: I'll say two things on that. First, the uh, video intern who posted at the beginning of camp to a, like, underthrowing guys deep, I hope that guy's been fired. I mean, I don't want him yeah. to be fired, but, uh, you know, th- that was that was incompetence uh, for sure. Second, I don't think it's that bad. When you have Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell, who I think will be two of the best yards after-catch guys in the entire NFL, I don't think it's that bad to throw a lot short and have a really high completion percentage and let them do their thing. I don't know if that lends itself to the biggest ceiling, but, like, when I'm thinking about DFS and for stacking, you can see, like, 8, 9, 10... Target games and catch games out of both these guys, and in full PPR DraftKings, that can really stack up for sure. Leone, any quarterbacks we didn't mention? This is your chance because we're never going to talk about these dustball quarterbacks <laughs> again. This is your chance if you want to mention anyone else.
2: Uh, not, I mean, I guess I I wouldn't be surprised if Pickett played a lot sooner than people are expecting. Um, JJ's, you know, on the Pittsburgh drumbeat, so he can correct me on that one. But you know, Trubisky doesn't have a huge deal, and you know, they drafted Pickett to be their quarterback of the future. I just, I know I wouldn't be shocked if he started uh, sooner rather than later. So would keep my, I don't, I don't know if the upside's huge there, but uh, if he's going at a point where people are basically not drafting him because they're worried, he's not going to be the starter. He's probably worth a gamble, especially right now, while there's still some uncertainty there.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of uncertainty there because it seems like Pickett has not had a good camp. And not that Mitch has either, but yeah, I don't know, JJ, you're the Pittsburgh guy. any takes on that. I did have someone ask me, actually, my tennis coach, shout out to (laughs) Coach Greg, asked me if he should be taking Trubisky with his round 18 underdog picks because nobody else, like as as someone who uh, you're trying to get unique in week 17, nobody else is going to have Trubisky stacks in week 17. I don't know, JJ, you have a Pittsburgh take?
1: Yeah, so I mean, you know, historically, like it seems like these these first round quarterbacks always play quicker than we expect. You know, they they're all we're always like, oh, they're not, they're just going to sit out the first year, and then obviously, like last year happens with Trey Lance and screws everyone, but uh yeah i mean i i would not be shocked if kenny pickett plays at some point this year and is just the starter like during the second half or something like that but the other thing that we have to remember too is this matt canada offense really likes to get the quarterback out of the pocket they just haven't been able to do that because they've had the statue in the back you know back there under center (laughs) for the last couple of years and so um i I do think that they're gonna like like if you look at trubisky and pickett both of them are mobile i mean trubisky you know when he was a starter in chicago he he generated a lot of points via his legs and then uh kenny pickett you know we all saw what he did in the uh, acc championship with the with the fake slide uh you know he, he has some mobility to him too i don't think it, you know it's not going to be like a justin Fields or trey lance type situation but i think it's like probably trevor lawrence plus a little bit like i i think that there's that athleticism there where you can generate some points that way so you know i i don't think it's a bad call out at all um, but it does sound like right now things are pretty atrocious with that uh, quarterback spot in Pittsburgh.
0: And, and one thing I'd say about Trubisky in best ball is that I actually like some of the stacking spots, you know, like I thought George Pickens was going too late for a while. I still think Chase Claypool was maybe going a little bit too late. I'm not as in on Deontay Johnson, but I do think Deontay Johnson can definitely play and I could see him being fine as well. All right. We're on the Mitch Trubisky portion of the program. That means it's time to end it. JJ, tell the people where they can find you, where they can find your work, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Yeah. All my stuff's over on lateround.com. I got a prospect or sorry, a draft guide. There is a prospect guide too, but I have a draft guide uh, that again is like a really game theory and strategy focused and stuff like that. Um, And then I have my Patreon um, and my podcast, the late round podcast as well. And I'm on Twitter at late round QB. Yes.
0: Soon to be changed to at middle round QB. (laughs) Uh, Yes, exactly. Okay. We'll be back with a bunch more pods this week, including... Market Monday and some looks at positional stuff, silver top 150 rankings. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and on YouTube. Yes, there is content on YouTube that we're doing that is not on this podcast feed. Four, Leone. for the middle round QB, JJ Zacharyson. I am Adam. Good luck, everybody.